I'll go back to my list of random things from the film. Tell him to pull out immediately is the message to Bond in Austria. <laughs> that is such a great line. Oh, boy. Where is Bond? On a mission in Austria. Tell him to pull out immediately. So good. Tell him to pull out immediately. And, oh, yes, he has to leave. Something came up. He's putting on his yellow ski suit, which obviously he has to wear so we can all see him against the white snow, but it's still a yellow ski suit. It's very funny. He's putting that on straight away. He's not wearing underwear. He's got nothing on under that ski suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Natalie, it feels like he's wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. No, nothing, nothing at all. At all. Yeah, fantastic porno waka 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 when he's going up the skis and being chased. Like, the music's so good. And also, the long shots, the exterior shots are fantastic. And then they cut them in with these great blue screen, Roger Moore, just kind of walking on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Oh, yes, he has a gun in his ski pole. So he turns around backwards. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah shoots a guy with his ski pole. Is that meant to be Anya's lover? I guess so. A lot of them die. I'm not sure which one is which. I Mm. always forget to look for his face. But, yeah, I assume it's him, at least at some point. A lot of that footage was shot by Wally Bogner, who did a lot of the backwards skiing on on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So he does the same thing here and films again. Obviously the ski jump, brilliant. Roger Moore is in the title sequence. It's the first... Like Maurice Binder you title see? sequence with the nudes. Yeah, well, Roger Moore is in the musical video, the Nobody Does It Better. His face. Oh, was... okay. Did you skip it, Stu? Did you skip? No, the... no, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't skip it. I, I just didn't clock that. that, that He's he was right in there. It. Yeah, it's the first time yeah. I think they actually have. I mean, you see George Lazenby in Shadow kind of in the On Her Majesty's Secret Service. But this is the mm. first one where it's like Roger Moore's face and then he's macking on with a series of naked women wearing fuzzy Russian hats. <laughs> yeah, Pure that's art. true. And I, I might have been distracted by the fact that there is several naked women just running around with their breasts just flopping around everywhere uh, in this particular opening. Because normally normally they're static or, or, they're, or they're moving in silhouette. But in this one, he obviously said, you know what, just, just, just flail about a bit. Like just run around and we'll film it. And it's like it's not quite in shadow. So, like, it's just <laughs> naked women running. It's very strange. And and he's with, like, Roger Moore's with them. So he's obviously gone, okay, if you can just run around this way and then turn around and shoot someone behind you, and then I'll slow it down so we see the breasts juggling at a more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we really get the, the, those <laughs> nice undulations. <laughs> you really capture every ripple, you know? We need a new podcast called Nice Undulations. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a review of all breast scenes in movies where we yeah. thumbs up some sounds. Were they nice undulations? <laughs> and then we get kicked off the internet. I was going to say, you, you, want, you want us to get cancelled now. That's what would do it. Uh, continuing on. Oh, Barbara Bach, Triple X in her Soviet Army uniform, seeing Gogol in the headquarters. Love it. Want that uniform. Want it bad. And Gogol's headquarters, by the way, is this great big sort of cavernous space. And Ken Mm. Adam did that deliberately because M's headquarters is always very sort of closed in, a bit homey. It's a very small office, yeah. Small office, a lot of flowery wallpaper. So he wanted the Russian guy to have this sort of very vast, empty, (laughs) echoey chamber. So then we see Roger Moore get on a ship or a sub maybe for a briefing and he's wearing a Navy uniform. 
form and he fills that out pretty well too i'm just gonna say yeah, he's looking pretty good we've seen connery in the navy uniform and did we see yeah. lazenby in the navy uniform as well no he was just in a kilt no yeah that's true yeah he got the and kilt it, in the roughs and he got married in a suit so but do you know it made me realize i think i know why my grand liked roger moore i've got a photo of oh. my granddad in the 40s in his navy uniform well like in uniform and he's blonde he's blonder than roger moore and he's polish so he's very fair-skinned and blonde but he was a tall he was maybe not quite your height but 5'11 or something you know tall and slim and there's Roger Moore blonde hair tall slim you know being very English I think I know why my gran had likes Roger Moore as her favorite bond yep. <laughs> navy, navy uniform my gran liked a sailor there you go so good on you gran <laughs> no I'm just I'm trying to decipher my own handwriting and it just came across as an awkward pause oh Stromberg in his lair has the Venus de Milo as one of his big portraits no not the Venus de Milo the birth of Venus the, the shell yes. one coming out of the sea yes yeah uh, Botticelli one with the big red hair hmm. and the clamshell and the hand over the vagina that one <laughs> So are they trying to imply, I assume the other artworks he has are also masterpieces. Are they trying to suggest that he owns those and they're his, he's bought those artworks because he's a gajillionaire? Or are they suggesting that he's like a part-time crimer who's just had them copied because they're on screens that raise up and show his preferred view, which is the world of the sea? I don't know. I don't know what the movie's getting at there. I mean, I guess he... I, I got the impression that maybe he just likes art, but, you know, he couldn't have the... And, and I, I assume they're all different, like, shapes and sizes, those paintings. So he's just sort of put them on the, the panels to remind yeah. him of the things that he likes about the surface world. Yeah. Or is it a case of, oh, normal people will expect me to have rich, opulent surroundings, so I will fake them. But when they're gone, I will sit by myself with my fishies. <laughs> You know? Yes, I think you've I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Okay, that's solved. I love the the girl being dropped into the tank. I love an early sacrifice to sharks in a film. It's great. Um, <laughs> that's it. Whenever it happens, it's always good. And the way that his voice comes over the microphone in the tank, going, "You'll betrayed me." This <laughs> <Just> big booming. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Again, very Blofeldy. Like it's a very Blofeld esque yeah. situation. He then blows up the helicopter that the two scientists are in, and you see them like in the <laughs> helicopter shaking each other's <laughs> hands. <laughs> Vigorously. Yeah, enthusiastically shaking each other's hands, like, oh, we, oh, we've got ten million dollars each. Kaboom! And we got away from this psycho. <laughs> Yes, so then I've written the lair. Ken Adam designed it. That's where we see it rising out of the water. So clearly he's got several internal pools as well as external fish viewing windows. That's the introduction of Sandor and Jaws as well. And Jaws just does that big smile. So good. Yeah, Roger Moore is Lawrence of Arabia. Love it. The I Dream of Jeannie Babes. Love it. I love the fight with Sandor on the rooftop of that villa in Cairo. Yeah. That, I had forgotten about that, and it's actually really good. It's a great fight scene, and also then you see the background, because I think that was shot on location, so it's a beautiful skyline. And then I love the bit where Sandor's kind of balancing on the edge of the rooftop, and he's grabbed Bond by the tie. Now, Bond is immovable. I would have thought if someone's that big and chunky is holding you by the tie, you're going to sort of struggle a bit, mm. or you're going to want to balance yourself out to get purchased <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Embrace yourself against, you know, falling to your death. <laughs> The Bond is just standing there and this guy's holding him by the neck and he goes, where is Fekesh? And he goes, pyramids. And then he just does this fantastic chop with his hand 
and lets him fall to the ground. And then this is the line. This is the line that Bond said. What a helpful chap. <laughs> That's not a pun. No, I mean, it's it's uh, it's grimly sarcastic, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely um, in the more Roger Moore style of killing someone in a horrible way and then making a, a joke about it. Yes, true. I mentioned the pyramid shows and the Jaws reveal and that all that tension and colour and light shows and music. I love that whole sequence. Scared the hell out of me as a kid. Still love it. Some of the dialogue in that scene from the voiceover all matches up. So when Bond discovers Fekesh, it says uh, death lies waiting and stuff like that. So they just match it up really yes. well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very well done. Bond puts an out-of-order sign on Max Kalpa after he finds him dead in the phone booth. He grabs an out-of-order yes. sign and puts it on him. It's cold, man. Yeah. It's cold. It's, it's cold as ice. It's very good. Oh, when they sneak into the back of Jaws's telephone repairman fake van, he's got a microphone in the cabin. I still think that's quite clever. So you've got Bond mm. and Amasova talking about who he is, and he's there merrily away listening to them, just driving them to the most remotest point possibly ever. By the time they get out of the van, the night has passed. Yeah, it's a long way away. Yeah, and then somehow when they get out of that fight sequence, they drive the van, it conks out, and then they walk away of time. <laughs> to a village <laughs> it seems like they were setting up like that there was going to be more to that and then they were like and then they walk back it's fine i love the way that bond takes the keys because he knows that amasova will try to grab the microfilm and make a run for it yes and, the keys. <laughs> and so then he's just being an absolute patronizing prick to her while she's trying to die <laughs> while jaws is literally tearing the van apart above them yeah like oh which key is it <laughs> should i drive maybe try the big one yeah what a prick when Bond topples the building works on top of Jaws, he kind of dusts his hand off and goes, Egyptian builders. Oh, yes, yes. I was like, what is that a reference to? I know. That's, that's interesting. This is the thing. It's like, well, clearly, historically, Egyptian builders have been quite good. I mean, yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> Pyramids, 3,000 years old, 5,000 years old, however old they are, long time, still going, pretty good construction. <laughs> but is he trying to make a reference to, like, current-day Egyptian builders? Like, you wouldn't trust them? Kind of that whole, ah, tradies, they're all cowboys. That kind of joke? I, I guess the only other thing that leapt to my mind, and maybe I've got it on my brain at the moment, but, like, I was just like, is that a is that a gypsy reference? Like, is that... You've got gypsies on the mind? Well, just just with these films, I tend to be, I tend to be on edge <laughs> to this sort of stuff. I'm like, is that, like, a reference to, like, was there a thing in... Britain in the 70s where like you would get cheap building work done by like yeah, gypsies maybe. I don't know yeah again it could be one of those cultural touchstones of the time that it's just gone like, like passed away because I, I was I like maybe know. it's a funny thing like huh, Egyptian builders like get it it's slightly sarcastic because obviously they're really good so their stones and stuff are so good they'll trap someone like Jaws could I be, hope that's what could be was. that way as well I don't know deconstructing jokes always makes them funnier I find um <laughs> There's jaunty van music as the van drives across the desert. There's like a jaunty like as the van kind of comes to a conking out. Yes, actually, no, you, yeah, that's true. There, there, there's there's comedy there's comedy music in this in this film. Yeah, which is and very there's, strange. There's a moment when it conks out that Bond kind of smiles somewhat sort of sarcastically at Triple X, and there's like a ting. The music goes ting right at the point where, you know, they've obviously scored it to match the action. And right at the point where Bond does this sort of like knowing smile, the music goes ting. Very funny. <laughs> That's when the Lawrence of Arabia theme plays. 
then the on the boat the mini microfilm reader the iphone scanning app of its day yes so good and then the whole talk of doing a survival course in siberia and bond says yes i understand a great many of your countrymen do like pointed jab about russian gulags and (laughs) yes siberian death camps and stuff but yeah she doesn't sort of take that on board And then she blows a poison cigarette into his face. Well, the smoke from a poison cigarette into his face. Which, which is, is, I mean, the, the movie strikes a really good funny. balance because he's been being a dick to her for a, a fair while at this point. So the fact that she gets one up on him is actually like really cool, you know, and, and I feel like that's deliberate. It's not just like the movie accidentally making a, a fun, strong female character. Yes. Like it's it's deliberate. Like they're yeah. deliberately playing this sort of cat and mouse, this, this, this rivalry between them, and it's really well done. So when they get back and they show off this footage and they talk about Spielberg and Bond calls him a billionaire or a shipping magnate and Triple X explains him to Gogol by saying he's one of the West's, one of the principal capitalist exploiters of, of wealth. <laughs> yes. A little bit of like, don't forget Marx rules. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, let's throw in the ideological stuff, just to remind you. So that uh, that line plays a bit differently in 2020 than, than it does in 1977. Yeah, a lot more popular. After the fight with Jaws on the train, and Bond is able to break a lamp open and shock Jaws in the teeth, that's going to hurt. That made me wince. Oh, yeah. Um, like, you know, you, you bite down a piece of foil with your fillings. Yes. Like, that, oh. that's, that times mm-hmm. a thousand. Ugh. So Ugh. Anya realised, she's like, oh, you saved my life. And all of a sudden she's quite prepared to have sex with Bond. And he winces and he's got a wound from Jaws. And she says, why don't you lie down and let me look at it? <laughs> and then just the best <laughs> sax comes in like this. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, yeah. Full on like, sex sax is what that is. Sex Okay, we now need to do another podcast that's called <laughs> Sax. Where we identify all the points in movies where (laughs) sex happens after sex. There was an entire, it it must have been from this point through to like the early 90s where, and certainly in so many 80s movies, where the love scene would be accompanied by just a sudden whirlwind of saxophone music. (laughs) And why the sax, I wonder? What made the sax... I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, when Q delivers the Lotus and he says, now listen up 007, this has got a lot of new features. And Bond just goes, have I ever let you down? And Q says, freak. (laughs) And he just drives off. Like no briefing at all. Exactly. Also, another another good uh, Q in the field yeah. moment, which is great. I love, love seeing Q out and about. And Triple X goes, good morning, Major Boothroyd. Yes, yes, that's right. Listen by his name. Lovely. When the Lotus drives onto the beach, so the Lotus goes underwater, they escape from yeah. the beach trying to kill them, and then it goes underwater and they're able to drive up to the base, which apparently does loom over the island like a terrible spectre of death. Apparently it doesn't do that. <laughs> around the back road behind a hill or something. They examine that and then they they defeat the underwater harpoon guys, drive back onto the beach and drop a fish. Uh, It's been breached and they drive onto the beach and then we get the classic shot of dude looking at car driving out of water. Yes, yes. Yeah, I thought about that. Looking at wine bottle and looking back at car (laughs) and looking confused. So I just want people to remember that because that's going to come back. That gag is not done in the Bond franchise. In the Bond franchise, yes, absolutely. The confrontation where Triple X works out that Bond killed her lover in Austria because he has a lighter that he bought in Berngarten. And she's like, when were you in Berngarten? 
It was like three weeks ago. And she's like, that's where my lover was three weeks ago. Did you kill him? And he's like, well, I'd, I was being chased down a mountain, guns pointed at my back. I don't have time to remember a face. But the answer to your question is yes, I killed him. <laughs> the answer to your question is yes, I definitely killed him. And, and I, I do liked it. Again. it. <laughs> <laughs> I do it again. And she says, when this is over, I will kill you. Now, three weeks and she's totally keen and macking on with Bond. I mean, yes, he has a magical penis. That, that's been established at this point. But still, you've already slept with him on the train at this point. I sort of feel like if they hadn't had sex yet, that would have possibly had more power to it. Like, oh, no, I've cock-blocked you, James, and now I know that you've killed my... But maybe they had to <laughs> Maybe they had to have sex because otherwise she might go through with it. And by the end, yeah, that's, she's like, wow. Well, she had to know what she'd, be, what she'd be destroying. That's right. I can't take this away <laughs> from the women of the world. <laughs> Yes. So let's talk about the Liparus. What was your reaction when you saw the ship eating the other the submarines? Oh, I, I loved that with a fierce intensity. As you know, as, as I've established on this podcast before, I love a vehicle that eats other vehicles. It's great. <laughs> um, it's very, very good. Obviously, spaceship that eats other spaceships, that's the platonic ideal. But if you're going to have something based on Earth, a giant cargo tanker that eats submarines isn't too bad. I love it. They actually built a specific new soundstage to film that set on. They needed. I was going to say, because it, it, it feels like a, a volcano lair style set where it was like a giant football field sized soundstage. Yeah. So they had to they had to build a whole new set. And then after they finished the primary shooting, the prime minister at the time, Harold Wilson, came along and officially opened it. Oh, how nice. I do love the fact that even though it's a tanker at sea, it still has a monorail. Of course. Again, because this is this is such a knockoff of Spectre that, you know, you've got, I mean, you know, Spectre loves a good monorail. Oh, look, I feel like I want to do a sketch now where it's like an evil villain taking a tour going, well, look, it's ready to go. You can move in next week. What's the monorail situation here? Yeah. <laughs> well, we looked into it and it's going to be very difficult. It's like, nah, no monorail is kind of a deal breaker for me. Yeah. It's sort of like kitchens, bathrooms, monorails, you know? <laughs> <laughs> When Stromberg is telling them of his plan and Amasova says, that does not justify mass murder. And Stromberg says, for that, I will accept the judgment of posterity. Yes, which is a great line. Dude, in 10 years' time, there's a picture of your face under the dictionary definition for fucking Egypt. <laughs> Weird, creepy fish man. <laughs> They have to take a detonator out of a nuclear missile to blow up the armoured section operation room on the ship. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to detonate that because regular grenades won't work. So they're able to pull out this dead. And again, it's this whole thing, like the movie's already stupid enough. And then you have having to play a game of operation and pull. <laughs> with a nuke. With a nuke. Pull the detonator out. And so it doesn't touch the sides and blows everyone up. And then they are able to blow it up. But to do that, Bond goes and sits on a security camera that's floating up and down across sort of the platform area um, from the ceiling. So he's able to kind of jump on that and sort of Miley Cyrus wrecking ball style come in from the side, set up the detonator and then jump back on like this flying fox thing and get himself out of the way mm. before it explodes. And they play the Monty Norman theme like, da -da -da -da. I want to recut that now with the, I came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's another example of, like, the, the, just every single thing in this movie is firing on all thrusters. Like, they really, yeah. they get action, they get tension, like, they get comedy, and somehow, even though they feel like they really shouldn't, all those things mix together really well. 
Mm. It's such a good movie. I love it. Then they work out that they can save the day if they get the two submarines to aim their nuclear payloads at each other. And I'm thinking, look, I suppose that henchmen are designed to take orders. But Stromberg's whole thing is, I'm going to destroy New York and Moscow. And then all of a sudden, at the last minute, they get a change of plan. We're now firing into the ocean. Weird. And they get so far away. (laughs) They seem to cross the North Atlantic in the space of half an hour or something after they get set off. Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, they really motor. They really get around those submarines. But they do that. They fire them off. They think they're going to hit in mid- midair for a brief moment. But no, they go the other way. And then there are two nuclear explosions. Yes, actual full-on nuclear explosions, which I assume were um, stock footage because, Jesus. Yeah, they must I assume the production didn't set off two nukes. No, maybe they did some of it as small modelling and then interspersed some stock footage. But two yeah, nukes. Yeah, yeah. Explosions, two of them. Yeah, exactly. Like, like this is a. He could have sent them a message to say, "Oh, don't do it. Like, don't fire the missiles." I'm not sure why that wasn't an option. I guess because they wanted to stop any, you know, shenanigans. But if they'd have just gone, change of plan, stop, hold, we're going in an hour instead, and then you could task the the Russians, yeah, exactly, and the Americans to go capture them, as opposed to setting off two nuclear weapons. Explosions. Maybe nuclear missiles aren't as bad as, like, the bombs dropped on Hiroshima? I don't know. I don't know. That is, like, the things that they are firing are the nuclear weapons that everyone is worried about. Like, those are what, that is what those are. Those are ICBMs with nuclear warheads. I mean, surely there would be, like, radioactive fallout? Yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. There would be serious, like, I mean, I mean, you know, there was a lot of nuclear testing done in the 60s and stuff. So, I mean, like, we're not talking like a nuclear winter or anything, but like, it would be a, it would be a big deal for two nukes to go off in the Atlantic Ocean. Maybe Greg from The Smart Enough to Know Better, who's like a physicist or something, I don't know. He and Dan maybe can get on it and tell us what actually would be the fallout from yes. two nuclear weapons. Figuratively it, and literally. Being, t- yes, exactly. From two nuclear weapons being set off in the North Atlantic Ocean circa 1977. So that they, they destroy the submarines, but then the American captain is told that he's got to destroy Atlantis. That's his next mission. He's got to go and shoot yeah. it. And Bond says, no, but Anya's there. I have to go get her. And they're like, well, we'll give you an hour. And he gets a wet bike, which is an actual brand at the time. Well, it's a jet ski, isn't it? It's a, it's a jet ski, but it's actually called a wet bike. And it looks okay. a bit to a jet ski. If you look at it again, it's sort of got a, it, it's like got a front part that sits up out of the water, like a, almost like a water ski. So mm. it's a bit different. But I, I feel like, again, that would have been a product placement where, you know, they turned up and went, hey, we're Eon Productions. We'd like to use your bike in our film. Can you please give us <laughs> seven of them? <laughs> Yes. So Bond is able to kill Stromberg. Stromberg tries to shoot him with a gun under the table, but then Bond sort of nopes out in time and then puts his own gun and he says, you've had your shot, now it's my turn, and shoots through the barrel under the table. Like like the tube. Tube. (laughs) He shoots a couple of shots through the tube into Stromberg's gut, one assumes, and then he just stands up and fires a couple more rounds into his chest. Yeah, yeah. The tube. It's quite a brutal execution. But why worry about the tube? Like, that didn't make it better. Like, if you'd have just done the tube shots. But then he gets up and fires into his chest. I mean, I guess they felt that, like, Bond coldly executing a a man was maybe, like, a little bit too dark for for the franchise. So they they had to make it a a bit gimmicky. So why have him stand up and then go, yep, no, I'll just finish you off. 
I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very, it's a very, it's, it's very weird. Oh, Jules makes another return. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. To, and he, he defeats him with a magnet. With a magnet. And he, he latches onto his teeth and says, how does that grab you? <laughs> and then drops him into the tank with the sharks and he eats the sharks. And then the sharks attack him, but he eats the sharks. It's great. Oh, and that's, that's okay. just perfection. It's cinematic perfection, Natalie. So good. And then finally, Bond and Anya get into an escape pod, which is the freaking sexiest escape pod in the world. Like it's got champagne on ice in the escape pod and the yeah. comfiest looking bed. Like I want to live in that escape pod. Well, I, I, I mean, it makes sense though, because like Stromberg is like, if I ever need to escape from this place, I want like something, a nice, a nice escape pod, you know, <laughs> that I can spend some time in. And then they get picked up by MQ, Gogol and the Minister for Defence. And they so look good. in to see Bond and Triple X getting it on. And once again, we are treated to the side of Roger Moore's ridiculously large nipples. <laughs> yes, they do make an appearance. The RMRLN, Roger Moore's ridiculously large nipples. <laughs> yes, that, that's the abbreviation we'll use from now on. For sure, for sure. Uh, and, and well, we see, we see Anya, I should say, that she does pick up his gun and uh, sort of say the mission is over. Whoa. And then James Bond pops the champagne, which is sort of diffuses the tension, and then they make out. Oh, because he says every man's condemned man's entitled to a final request. And she says, granted. And he goes, let's get out of these wet things. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good. And, and then, like, it finishes with just the, the best possible line where he goes, what are you doing, Douglas? <laughs> just keeping the British end up, sir. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Drops the curtain. But Drops I, the curtain, I, I, and then we get the, nobody does it better. Yeah, I love that M says 007, and Gogol says triple X. Like, they both <laughs> are highly oversex secret agent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. It makes me wonder why they didn't get Barbara Bach back as triple X. Like, what a great character, and what a great, you know, she could have come back for, for further adventures. I guess she didn't want to come back for, for more, maybe. Maybe. It's a really good question because she because she doesn't die like and she and she, they're like they're, they're on good terms by the end of the movie mm. like so like why wouldn't she have come back like it just seems like they still viewed her as a bond girl and obviously you change bond girls i wonder if it's also because in the context of the time she's she will go back to being a soviet spy so they hmm. they they both are in that business ships in the night escape pods in the day and then they're out of there <laughs> Well, that's true. Um, it, it just seems like a like a missed opportunity. Like, like if she was like a running character, maybe she didn't. She doesn't have to be the main character in the next few movies. But like, if she was like a running, like I mean, Jaws comes back for God's sake. Like, we can't have we can't have Triple X back. I don't know. Yeah, the, what might have been, but oh. Max didn't want to come. Back. It's a very it's it's a small complaint, and it's not. I don't hold it against this movie, which is very very good. <laughs> <laughs> 